0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. My name is Roger Nairn. And I'm Connor Beaton. Connor Beaton is the founder of Man Talks. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today we've got an amazing guest. His name is Jason Gaynard. Uh, Jason Gaynard runs an event and an organization called Mastermind Talks out of Toronto, and he has built himself uh, one incredible killer uh, network, and that's what today's talk is all about.
1: Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to chat with Jason quite a few months ago. Uh, We connected because uh, one of our previous guests, Mr. Philip McKernan, uh, spoke at his event last year and is actually speaking again there this year. They've done some work together. And uh, Philip thought that him and I should chat, so I connected with Jason. Uh, we had a really great conversation about not only events, but how to build like authentic connections, how to build a real uh, circle of friends who are who are helping one another. So he kind of dives into. Yeah, mastermind talks, what the event is all about, who it's for. Um, It's really, really for entrepreneurs. There's a ton of value in this podcast on building uh, authentic networks. He doesn't really like to use the word network in some senses, but how do you build a really genuinely authentic community that's helping you build your goals and you're helping them build theirs? So, this is a great podcast. Yeah, it's an
0: absolutely killer interview. Um, super, super uh, incredible guy. Before we go, though, we wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. We are still looking for a really key member of the Mantox team. You know, Mantox is about a year and a half old, and we seem to be growing more and more every month because of people like you. Um, and what we like to include in our team is a social media expert. You know, we have a, a great following online, but we want to be doing a better job of, um, you know, providing relevant, incredible content. To our our community. So, if you are that social media expert or you know somebody that is a social media expert, we'd love for you to give us a, uh, a, you know, shoot us a note on info at mantox.ca and uh, tell us all about yourself. Uh, You don't necessarily need to be in the Vancouver area, you can be outside. We are expanding to other cities. Um, So, if you're that person or you know that person, please reach out. And without further ado, Mr. Jason Gaynard. (laughs) Jason Gaynard, welcome to the Man Talks Podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome. Before we get started, we always like to ask our guests sort of what it is that you do and, and how did you get into it?
2: Yeah, so I, I, uh, that's a tough question. Uh, to some degree. I run an invite-only event for entrepreneurs uh, called Master My Talks, and we have a community as well that, that stems from that event. Um. I also have written a book uh, called Mastermind Dinners, which uh, is all about connecting like-minded individuals, and I talk a lot about relationship building um, in that book. I have a podcast of my own as well, but um, the Mastermind Talks, the event, I mean, that's where I allocate the majority of my my energy. That and I have a three-year-old daughter, and I'm married. So balancing all that, that's pretty much my life in a nutshell. Um, How I came into Mastermind Talks is really by... By fluke. Uh, I never thought I'd be in the event space by any stretch. I was actually, I dropped out of high school. Uh, I started a service-based business, and I realized that service-based businesses are hard to scale. So uh, I had a great mentor at the time who guided me and told me to pivot into an online product business. And we, we did that, and I uh, grew that really quickly. we. we which are about seven million dollars a year over four years of no outside investments. I was living my model of success, which was the whole four hour work week at the time. So I was traveling the world, I was making a ton of money. But with all that money and all that free time, I start to ask myself questions like, Why am I here? Will I be remembered? How many people will show up to my funeral? You start just climbing up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And uh, I was not happy with the answers I was giving myself at the time. And so, I and also around that, that same time, I realized I was making. Uh, 22 times the national average income. Uh, My my accountant sat down with me and and basically, we mapped out my finances for the year and it was one of those things where in most uh, circles and business circles that would be celebrated, for me it was bothersome because I knew I was not 22 times happier than the average male, I was not 22 times healthier. Two years prior at the age of 23 I actually had kidney complications because of stress. So consciously I decided to sell my business, subconsciously I started to detach from it, and over time, became comfortable with the idea of, uh, the the idea of scaling that business down to zero, and that was going to be over a twelve to eighteen month period. Uh, unfortunately, two things happened that were beyond my control that landed me a quarter million dollars in cash debt, which was in August of twenty twelve. Um, and when the dust settled, I had no business, no cash flow, a six month old daughter, and I was getting married the following month. So there's a great saying that when one door closes, another one opens, but it sucks being stuck in the hallway. So it was a pretty dark hallway <laughs> for me
0: at the time. Um, and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do next, um,
2: but somebody actually posted to Facebook that they had an extra ticket to go see Seth Godin in New York. And I've always been a huge fan of Seth's work, and I had no other obligations at the time. Um, and because the ticket was free, I could actually convince my wife to let me go. So I uh, ended up going to his event, and the theme of it was the connection economy, and how there's huge value in connecting like-minded individuals. And at the time, I felt like there was no group, I, just being an entrepreneur myself and feeling very isolated, I felt like there's no group as disconnected as entrepreneurs. So I started doing these things called Mastermind Dinners, where I'd invite six to eight entrepreneurs who didn't know each other and would help try to help facilitate connecting them over dinner and the first one i did i almost canceled two hours prior because i'm like nobody's gonna see value in this they're gonna think i wasted their time i had those all those fears kind of reemerge and um because it was only two hours to dinner time i could cancel it out of integrity because people are already on their way to the dinner so we went through with it and it just turned out to be a huge success and i got clear on two things um at that dinner one is that i enjoyed Immensely connecting people, and two, it, it was just something I wanted to do to some capacity for the rest of my life. Not necessarily as a business, because I wasn't monetizing these dinners. I was actually paying for them out of pocket, um, so each dinner would cost me, you know, approximately eight hundred bucks. Uh, and I had just a little bit of credit left on my credit card, so I was really kind of throwing a hill, Mary. And you know, looking back, it, it was kind of it made no sense to some degree. But my reasoning at the time. I was de- I was seriously considering bankruptcy. Um, so my thought process was that the bank could take my car, they could take whatever measly assets I have left, but they couldn't take my relationships. So investing in my relationships is really the safest investment I could make, uh, and investing myself. So which, whatever little capital I had left on my my credit cards, uh, I doubled down on investing myself and investing in my relationships, uh, and I continued on with these dinners, and then. A few months later, I had an opportunity to do an event with Tim Ferris, who is somebody I've known for a few years, and he's a pretty well-known speaker in the entrepreneur space. And I saw it as an opportunity to do what I do at these dinners, but on a larger scale. So instead of having you know 10 people at a dinner, I could have 100 amazing entrepreneurs in a room. And uh, how I did that thing with that book deal, I guess, or how I did that deal with Tim is I've known him for a while, but he had a book coming out called The 4 Chef, where um he was actually banned from all retail distribution
0: yeah.
2: uh, three weeks before the event. Not three weeks before his launch, which was very tough uh, for him, obviously, being at that time a two-time New York Times bestseller author. So there's a lot of anticipation and expectation that his next book is going to be a New York Times bestseller as well. So he had to think really quickly. And he's one of the best book marketers I know, and he created these book bundle packages that if you bought you know, 20 books, he'd do this. If you bought 40 books, he'd do a webinar with you. He had this Hail Mary package that if you bought 4,000 books, he'd do two speaking engagements. And um, at the time, I used to wake up at 4 in the morning, so I was one of the first people to see this post because Tim just posts his stuff really late because he goes to bed really late. And uh, I ended up seeing this post, and I thought of a friend of mine who puts on these huge events in Canada, and I said this is a great opportunity for him because uh, he has a couple thousand people that show up to his events and tim doesn't speak that often and the minute i click send on that email i said you know what this is a great opportunity for anybody because tim hasn't spoken to canada um up, up until that time and um uh, he doesn't speak that often so there's that kind of scarcity there to some degree so i ended up reaching out to tim directly and i said you know what i'll, I'll take the books and um uh that was the first time i ever had to raise money (laughs) in a very short period of time my other businesses i've built purely on credit cards and i had my own kind of limiting beliefs uh from childhood as far as like getting handouts and help so i've that was one of the kind of big limiting factors for me not ever raising money in any of my businesses prior to that but i basically had to raise eighty four thousand dollars u.s in less than three days um and uh, I reached out to three people, uh, uh, the, the morning I decided I was going to take this package because I need to come up with the money right away. First person, I uh, wanted to talk about the, like, the numbers and you know what that looks like. Fortunately, I didn't have the time to do that, so I was like, okay, I'm going to call the next person. Second person, I called want to start a business together, um, which was totally cool. And then the third person I reached out to uh, just said, show up to my office tomorrow morning, and I'll have a bank draft for you. Um, and... I followed up with that guy a few months later and and asked him like why did you lend me the money because uh, you know on paper that was probably one of the worst investments you can make. Like I had no experience in the event space. Um, I was a quarter million dollars in personal debt myself. I was you know pure kind of scarcity mode. I was a failure as an entrepreneur and he said um, he said to me he's like at the end of the day I wasn't investing in the business I was investing in you Mm. and that really struck a chord for two reasons. One is you never know the value of your network until you really need it and two is that when you hit rock bottom in life you'll be left with two things one is your word and the integrity of your word and the second thing is relationships so never tarnish your word and always invest in your relationships are are something i took away from that um so uh yeah fast forward a little bit uh we ended up putting on the event it turned out to be a big success i'm a firm believer (laughs) just because i didn't know what i was doing um you know, ignorance and confidence can go a long way when you're an entrepreneur, so uh, we did a lot of things that were a little unconventional um, to like traditional events, and um, they just turned out to be a huge success. So, I had no other obligations, and I wanted to kind of prove that the first one wasn't a fluke. So, we did a second one, second one was a big success. So, that's how I officially got into the event space.
1: Very cool, awesome. yeah, it's fantastic. I think
0: what a st- what a what a story. <laughs> I mean, what a what a start, yeah. It's- um, no no, 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 no! That's no, incredible. it's incredible.
1: It's uh, it's good because it kind of like packages up, um, you know where where you're up and where where you're at and and how you got there. And I think a lot of our listeners will really appreciate that. And I think. You know, you're right in in so many senses. Like I've experienced the same thing with with events. You know, when you said a little bit of ignorance and, and some confidence um, can go a long way. You know, like putting on man talks has been the exact same thing. It's like I have there's been points where it's like I, don't, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing right now, but I'm confident that people want this, and I'm ignorant enough to just be like, let's just go try this, <laughs> let's let's just do it and see what happens, and that's how you. If you believe in something enough, and, and you believe that it's going to add value to people, then nine times out of ten, it's going to actually add value to people. And and sometimes it's things that they don't even know that they want.
0: And you use you you, you use the term hail Mary a couple times. I think uh, you know having that having that sort of blind faith in yourself and trust, uh, re, you know, really goes a long way. And at the time, it's incredibly scary, I'm sure. And uh, as you as you sort of throw that ball, you say to yourself, "Holy shit, what have I done?" But uh, you know, as long as you have that faith in yourself. Generally, things seem to, uh, to to work out okay.
2: Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's two things. There's stress, which is like, you know, stress is not healthy for you. Um, and then there's eustress, and eustress is, is a great word. Um, and it, it's about, uh, like, basically doing exactly that, like throwing that Hail Mary and um, that good stress that forces you to kind of push through limiting beliefs and, and, and push through things. And it was one of the things that, that happened was, Um, When I was kind of spiraling out of control, I kind of realized that I was not taking any risk anywhere in my life. I was very kind of certainty driven, uh, which is understandable given the state I was in. And when I was, what made us so successful, what made me so successful in my last business was the fact that I did those Hail Marys when nobody else would. Um, and it was one of those things like I knew that I'd always kind of find a way. And I, I built up that confidence. Um, and that was the first time in a long time I decided to do another Hail Mary uh, to some degree. And, um, you know, I hedged the, the risk. I mean, entrepreneurs, great entrepreneurs, they calculate risks, the risk, right? So I knew if I bought the books, I could possibly sell some of them. I could possibly, you know, sell the, I didn't know what the tip speaker fee was at the time either. So that's the one thing when I pulled the trigger on it. I'm like, I made, mean, you know, his speaker fee may be only $20,000 or something like that. And I'm paying $84,000, but um, <laughs> I found out afterwards his speaker fee is actually 100 grand. Right. Uh, speaker at an event. And, so he was,
0: and he was doing two of them.
2: He was doing two of them. So that's 200 grand worth of value plus the books. So I actually got $84,000 worth of books. Right. There's books on top of that. So um, plus, managed,
0: pl- pl- managed, plus you made a connection to, to Tim Ferriss.
2: Yeah, I mean, I helped him out when he was in a bind, and he's been a huge supporter uh, of Mastermind talks ever since, and has mentioned us on his podcast a few times. And um, and he, he's somebody I met a while ago, and I had a kind of weak relationship with him just because we, you know, we had uh, a similar network and mutual friends and all that kind of stuff, but we never really had an opportunity to work together. Um, and yeah, when uh, when I pulled the trigger on that, we we definitely got to know each other <laughs> pretty good, and he's. Uh,
0: He's been a great support so on the on the topic of connections I mean we, we heard we heard you mention that a few times um, you know when you told, told us your story this whole idea of connections is obviously very important to you where do you think that that came from in your life where you know who taught you that connections are are vital to uh, you know to your success
2: it's, so that's a, uh, a tough one to pinpoint because I feel like I never really focused uh, a ton of energy and bandwidth on relationships until um, a lot of the mastermind talk stuff, stuff started to happen to some degree, actually you know what, that's a lie um, I actually went to an event this is where I met Tim, uh, I went to an event that Tim put on in 2011 called Opening the Kimono and <laughs> it, was, uh, it was actually geared towards authors wanting to become New York Times bestselling authors totally. and it was um, it was $10,000 in, in like you had to apply and then to go it was $10,000 for two days I was in transition at the time. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And that was the most I ever spent, obviously, by far, for an event. But I'm like, at $10,000, there's about to be some interesting people there. And the people who I surrounded myself with at the time were like, you're bananas for spending this kind of money on an event. Uh, But I just had this gut feeling that I should go. And I went to that event, and that's where I connected with just a a slew of amazing people. Um, And the funny thing is, I always point back to the story because not a lot of people invest in relationships because they can't peg an ROI to it, right? Right. So um, because they can't peg a a financial ROI to relationships, they just simply don't invest in it. And the the one story I use is this particular one where I went to the event, I spent $10,000. When the event was done, from a content perspective, I didn't get $10,000 worth of value because I was not planning to be an author, so I couldn't apply a lot of that stuff. But um, the relationships I made there... I stayed in touch with a lot of those people, um, and if you look at the three years later when we did our first Mastermind Talks event, um, and I never thought I'd be in the event space obviously, uh, when I went to, to Tim's event, uh, five of the speakers who spoke at our event for free were people i met at that event, um, in 2011, um, I had about four or five people who were, who, who were paid attendees at uh, my event who I met at that event and, uh um, our ticket price that year was $3,000 a person um, and I had two people uh, who become like, my closest friends that I met at that event as well that also signed up for our mastermind program uh, our retreat program which was $20,000 a year so if you add up what I would pay in speaker fees if you add up what the lost revenue from you know the retreat program and ticket sales and all that kind of stuff the ROI on that particular event um, I would have spent about 240000 I would have missed out on $240,000 worth of you know, potential revenue. Um, and um, so the, you know, the, the ROI the, over a three-year span was yeah. like 240% or 24%, whatever the math is. Um, and that's the beautiful thing is those are relationships, right? If I live on 30 now, if I live till I'm 80, the ROI from that one specific event will be in the millions uh, because a lot of these people have become like really close friends and all that kind of stuff. So that's a story I always like kind of pointing back mm-hmm. to. Um, and I think that's where that that uh, – I've done like a lot of like Tony Robbins stuff and Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn has a great saying, you're the average of five people to spend the most time with and all that kind of stuff. So I realized kind of early on the importance of uh, being conscious of who you surround yourself with. Um, so that was always kind of top of mind. But I think when I went to that event, I really understood the importance of um, surrounding yourself with people who are really on another level. Uh, and that's one thing I've, if I could attribute my success to anything is I've done that consciously and unconsciously throughout my life if I wanted to be more successful in business I surrounded myself with people who are more successful in business if I wanted to lose weight and get in shape I surrounded myself with people who are in better shape than me uh, if I want to improve the relationship with with my wife or be a better father I surround myself with people who are better in those the, those kind of spheres mm-hmm. so um so, yeah, I think that particular event, that moment really kind of solidified things for me. But through a lot of the personal development stuff I did leading up to that, uh, again, a lot of it reinforces the the influence that, that peers have on you and um, the importance of being very conscious of that.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said really kind of stuck out. Um, you know, for for the people that are listening, I think that really would probably add a lot of value to them. Is is really the idea that you know you can you can lose your finances, like you talked about, almost going bankrupt. And I love the idea that like you could you know you could have your finances taken away, you could have your credit card taken away, line of credit, all all that kind of jazz, lose your job, but really at the end of the day. Um, your network and the people that are around you were the most important things and, and that that couldn't get taken away. And I love I love the idea that that's the thing that really built you back up from that place and the the idea that it wasn't having a million dollars in the bank, but it was having kind of like a million dollars worth of friends, you know, like those million dollar connections. And I don't mean that from a monetary standpoint. I mean that from like a, a value standpoint. So, you know, that that's this is pretty incredible. And I think a lot of people sometimes undervalue their network and they undervalue their connections. And, you know, you don't want to put a, a price tag on it. But at the same time, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, are you surrounding yourself with the right people? So I kind of have two questions. So first off, um, just going back to that idea of Hail Marys, how did you you know, cause a lot of people want, feel like they should make these Hail Marys. And I'm sure that there's people that are listening. that are like, okay, I think that I have a Hail Mary to make in my life. How did you go about making that process or, or, or what was that process like for you to say, okay, I, I feel like I need to make a Hail Mary. I feel like this is what I need to do. How did you go about actually making that choice? Like what, what are the keys to making a Hail Mary? Um, that's a tough one.
2: Well, I gonna say it's a tough one to break down. It's one of those things that I kept on doing it in my previous business. Mm. Um, And I kept on seeing the results and I kept on seeing, you know, there was no clear path on how I was going to make it work. But every time I did it in the past on a little bit of a smaller scale, um, I always found a way to make it happen. Um, And just for context, like how I kind of built that up is we were in the ticketing space. So my last business we sold, um, we had one of the largest wholesalers in Canada for concert tickets and sporting event tickets. So we would sell our tickets through StubHub and eBay and all these, these big kind of retailers. Um, the way that business worked, it was very cash flow heavy. So um, you had to buy a lot of inventory all the time. So basically we'd have – I'd spend half a million dollars a month on one credit card um, and not have – I'd have no money in the bank account. And my, my hopes was that I would sell that inventory <laughs> and that 28 days you know, span pay off my credit card and it just became this like churning machine. Right. And it didn't start, you know, with us spending half a million dollars a month. It started with us doing, you know, two thousand dollars a month and then five thousand and then ten thousand and eventually it got to that point. So just month over month I was constantly kind of stretching myself and it just became a new kind of frame of, of reference. So I was you know, from an outsider's perspective I was taking these huge risks and these huge bets. But I've done it so many times before leading up to it. It didn't feel like it was that big, that scary. So I think when it comes to Hail Marys, it's taking these kind of these small Hail Marys to get to the, the big ones and always kind of stretching yourself. Because um, this is a great thing, like you need to stretch yourself in life or life and business will find a way to stretch you. And that's one thing I try to do in my own personal life is do things that, that scare me on some level or that um, challenge my beliefs. Because when you you're able to overcome those things, You start to rethink your beliefs all across the board. Mm. Um, So, for example, like I'm terrified of heights. So I went skydiving last year. Um, I'm still scared of heights, but probably not as as scared as I was before. Um, So, yeah, building up those Hail Marys is a big thing. And then, again, hedging your – well, getting clear on fear and understanding, you know, nobody – everybody has fear. Um, but under like identifying what the worst case scenario is. So for me, in the in the case of like the whole Tim Ferris thing, buying eighty four thousand books. In the worst case scenario, I could you know sell off some of the books and get some of the money back. In the worst case scenario, I could find people who are in the event space to um, sell the, the the package to. I could split the package into and you know maybe sell the forty two thousand to one person and forty two thousand to another. My original kind of mentality was actually. You know, could I find 42 entrepreneurs in two major metropolitan cities to spend $1,000 each to spend an hour with Tim, like at minimum. Mm. And uh, I was like, it's possible, right? Mm. So um, so getting very clear, like hedging the, your, your bets so that you're, you know, there's very little risk and you're always thinking worst case scenario and that's one thing a friend of mine named Todd Urban, he has a great philosophy that uh, oftentimes people think entrepreneurs are optimistic. Uh, he's like, not. That's not the case at all. He's like, high performers are actually incredibly negative. Mm. They're positive expectors, uh, but they think negatively. So they think of all the worst case scenarios. So yeah. if this, then that. If this happens, then I'm going to do that. So they they map that all out consciously or unconsciously. Um, so doing that mental exercise, I think is is
0: a a key part of it and and interesting we were talking about tim ferris earlier i know tim ferris likes to say that you know his method for um his sort of hail marys is he thinks about what the worst case scenario is all the time and and he and he and he really you know he really meditates on that and and he he does it for you know sort of two reasons one is just the the sense of clarity of knowing what literally what is the worst thing that can happen to me but also um, it, it sets his sort of intention, and it sets his sort of focus on how far he's willing to go, or what you know, what he's willing to do to to get to what he's trying to do. And I think a perfect example is probably what he did with his books, and, and just the um, it opens you up to that that sort of um, more creative space of how do I solve this problem versus holy shit, I've got this massive <laughs> warehouse of books that I need to get rid of. About exercise it's never as bad as you think it is Yes like the worst case scenario
2: we always think like unconsciously we think we're gonna die
0: you know oh I mean? and that's like, yeah it's our nature that stuff the amygdala just starts going crazy <laughs> Yeah and I think you could, you could also apply this to you know relationships and 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 business conversations and just sort of sticky situations that you just don't feel good about but know that you need to handle. Mm. So just kind of you know jumping a little bit, but not too far away from where we were. You know, we you know we really wanted to dig deep into this area of networking because I know we we haven't really touched on this topic too much on the show before. But just from from the context of, of men, um, why do you think networking is so important to men these days? Uh, well, I hate the term networking. Oh, um, yep, awesome. I'm,
2: I'm not,
0: I'm not judging you. No, no, no. Well, uh, why why do you hate it? Uh well,
2: it just because it's it's tied to network marketers and sleazy <laughs> sleaziness
0: right? yes you so, um, how, how so I, I have a better name for it I was going to say yeah go for it
2: yeah so I don't I haven't come up with a better name oh um, you don't have a better name no I don't I mean I, I say like relationships and relationship building but then some people don't understand that in the context of like you know there's a business context to it so um, so networking is the best word to kind of encompass what I do but I'm not a fan of the word because um, it's yeah it's often tied to kind of sleaziness it has bad uh um, yeah, that people think bad things when they hear The word networker, they think of people slinging Business cards um, But I think um, In the context of why relationships are important I mean, there's there's been a ton of uh, Science that has backed up The importance of relationships uh, On people's health, the importance of relationships On people's overall happiness um, Social bonds is just huge, and that can't Be denied, so there's the scientific Benefits of being connected to people I think in a s- super connected world we, we often make the mistake where um, <clears throat> there's a great saying it doesn't matter how many friends you can count it matters how many friends you can count on so. and even though we live in a world where we have all these Facebook friends and all these LinkedIn contacts and all these Twitter followers um, the amount of people that feel incredibly isolated um, and feel alone there's a oh god I wish I had this statistic there's a statistic of like uh, oh god how how um, Keith Farazi did it and I think uh, I may butcher the number a little bit but it was a startling number it was something like um, they asked a a group of people I think 500 people um, do you feel like you have do you feel like somebody has your back basic question and 50% of the people said no and 60% of those people who said no are married hmm so something to think about right so i think there's i i see this all the time especially in entrepreneurial communities some of the most successful people i think there's two epidemics in the world one is social isolation and i social isolation is what they use to torture people you yeah know, you know what i mean and in, in, in some countries and in jail and stuff like like solitary confinement and all that kind of stuff right so uh, and we do it to ourselves so um social isolation i think is an epidemic um and another epidemic is uh, low self-worth um I see it all the time um, in, in entrepreneurial communities and myself um, and all that kind of stuff so um, yeah so the, there's science is there backing the importance of having you know uh, strong relationships. Um, there's also obviously the benefits if you're an entrepreneur the business benefits up to it um, all that kind of stuff and, and like I said we often make the mistake of of, uh, thinking we have a lot of friends because we have a lot of, again, uh, friends on the surface level from a social media perspective, Uh, but again, it's not how many friends you can count on, it's how many friends you can count on, Um, and I'm personally always looking for much more depth in my relationship um, than just to add more people. I'm a firm believer, at least in the position I'm in now, is I've built a a really solid network, Um, and people always ask me, how do you manage your network, right? I have... 2,000 Facebook friends I don't but I'm saying some people would say like I have 2,000 Facebook friends like how, how do I manage that and my at least my viewpoint right now and it may change but my viewpoint is that the key to a strong network is subtraction and not addition so I'm not looking to add more people into my life I'm looking to go deep with the existing relationships I have mm-hmm. and always weed out people who are not you know, a great fit, or either, like, nope, like, people who are toxic, that's a non-negotiable, <laughs> They're, you know, I don't, you know, invest any time in people who are toxic, um, people who are scarcity kind of mindset, um, same thing, um, so I'm always kind of leading people out, and always just bringing better quality people in. Hmm. And,
0: and, you know, I, I'm sure you're of the same thoughts, when it comes to, comes to, you know, let's use that word networking again, but, you know, when it comes to the actual act of networking, um, you know how do you how do you approach uh, these sorts of relationships? And, and I'm assuming you come at it from a, how can I be of value to you versus what you can do to me uh, mentality.
2: Yeah. So it, and that's, so the one thing is 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 um, yeah I always try to be a value uh, to, to people, and it's 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 one of those things that uh, I actually I'm debating it. I, I I I say this. I was actually at an event recently. Where uh, I was sitting next to uh, Travis, the CEO of Uber, and um, he obviously he's like a big name entrepreneur, and everybody wants to be connected with him and stuff like that. And I said like hi to him, but we didn't strike like I was we didn't strike up conversation because I was thinking in my head I'm like I can't deliver value to this guy, so I don't even know what I would say.
0: Right, right. <laughs> so, um,
2: but and, and I, so I'm trying to debate if that's a good thing or not. Uh, like should I be able to master small talk with anybody, um, or if I fundamentally believe I can't deliver value to somebody, is it worth me, you know, trying to have small talk? No, I, um, but uh, one of my philosophies that uh, again, a lot of people talk about like delivering value and all that kind of stuff. and sometimes people miss the mark when it comes to delivering value. Yeah. Like when somebody reaches out to me and they're like, "Hey, Jason, i I'm you know, huge fan, would love to, uh, you know, be of service or be of help or whatever." Uh, and they leave it at that It puts the onus on It adds more stuff Totally it puts the onus on me To come up with some way That they can be of service to me Plus Doing something like that I have to There's opportunity costs I have to teach them How to do it totally. Or explain it I'd be much better off taking whatever resources I have financially and just hire an expert to do it, right? So a lot of people kind of miss the mark in regards to that. There's a great, um, so one great way to approach that is if, like if you're reaching out to somebody, actually do research uh, and, and be come up with ideas as far as how you can deliver value to them. Um, and be like, you know, here's X, Y, Z. These are things I can possibly help you with. A great example, even if it's people you don't know, uh, James Altucher has this thing about like idea generation. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a fan of a podcast, come up with 10 podcast guest ideas. Totally. And email it to them. Or, um, you know, a blogger, whatever, same thing. Like, they're, they're always looking for new, kind of fresh ideas, and that's actually of value. But one thing I actually think um, goes much further um, or goes a much longer way than just trying to add value is something I call like the biggest fan theory
0: which is how can you be somebody's biggest fan Um, and I say that not
2: like in the sense of like you're going to be like cheesy about it or anything like that but I don't care who you are how big of a name you are you everybody has fears right when they launch something great example I always always like to say is like um, uh, for example like when a New York Times bestselling author for uh, like a guy like Tim Ferriss when he launches a new book he reads every single review that comes in the first couple days for sure I mean most likely he'll read all his reviews but definitely the ones that that come in because um, it's one of those things when they launch a book any author launches a book there's that fear of like what if people don't like it what if people leave negative reviews what if people don't buy the book like all these fears if you can be the first you know the the first person to respond and be their biggest supporter whether it be leaving a book review whether it be sharing it on Twitter whether it be you know commenting on a blog post that they wrote um, that you know the 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 more intimate the better um like those type of things um it just it really kind of stands out and people don't forget that Mm -hmm. um so that's that's something i kind of i guess i'm relatively known for is how can i be somebody's biggest fan so if they even if they come out you know they're doing a marathon and they're trying to raise money i'll be i'll try to be the first to donate Mm because it doesn't even matter how much you donate um it matters if you're first so they'll remember two people. let they say they raise whatever, a ton of money. They'll remember the person who donated the most and they'll remember the first person. Yeah. And if you're a great marketer, <laughs> they have the ability to kind of put themselves in the shoes of their prospect. And I've, you know, I've surrounded myself with a lot of great marketers. So maybe it's a bit of a home skill set that I have that I can put myself in the shoes of somebody else and say, hey, this guy's launching a book. There's a ton of fear he's having right now around. And these are some of the fears he has. How can I address? How can I be his biggest fan? And and quiet down some of those
1: fears. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a, there's a ton. You just unpacked a ton of great advice for people. Um, (laughs) This is awesome stuff. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to like, just recap two things there. One, you know, the idea that you don't always have to try and make an impression on somebody. Like, I, I love that. I love that story um, with the CEO of Uber, because I think most people would put the, like the pressure on themselves to be like, Oh, I have to make an impression. I have to do something. I have to like quote unquote network. And it's just not, it's just not real. And I think that guys like that, they, they can tell. And so if you turn to them and you try and have this really unauthentic conversation because you're trying to build a connection with them, they're going to, they're going to sense that and be like, screw this. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, and if and I love the idea that if you can't add value to something, like don't try and pull strings out of out of your ass. Basically, like don't try and just like pull something out of thin air, and then to try to like force it. Uh, it should be authentic, right? So I, I love that you kind of like tapped into your gut or your intuition was like okay I I don't really know how I'd add value to this to this individual or this situation so instead of you know maybe tarnishing tarnishing the conversation cuz you, you know your, your first impressions are everything Huge, yeah. yeah you kind of said you know what I'm I, I'm not too sure how I can add value right now but I'm sure I'll probably see this person again at another event and maybe at that time I'll be able to genuinely add value to their life and their experience and and then i'll that's when i'll go in and and build a connection and build a relationship right so that's that's huge And and then the idea of being somebody's biggest fan i think that that's pretty substantial um there's there's some golden nuggets there so what does just out of curiosity like what does success look like for you once you've built a really good connection with somebody
2: I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I, I, I have people in my my network that I've done nothing but be their biggest fan for the past couple of years. I've never asked anything from them. And the funny thing is, is I mean, there's the reciprocity that gets built up when you do something for somebody. Um, and Charlene he talks about that in his book Influence. Uh, that if you do something for somebody, they automatically, unconsciously or consciously, feel like they need to do something for you in return. So I have a ton of like, how you, how I look. I almost look at relationships to some degree. I don't like looking at it transactionally, but at the same time, on some level, I look at it almost like a, a bank account, and how many deposits can I make in that bank account? Um, and uh, one of the... I have a saying on another podcast, which was like, you know, never let your social bank account go into overdraft, right? right? Like, always be investing in it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a successful relationship, it's it's really... It's, it's tough to kind of judge. I have different kind of levels of, of uh, relationships with people, obviously. I mean, there's some that I am I know very well. I'm very intimate with. We, we have a lot of touch points. I have weak, like weak ties on the opposite end. They know who I am. They, I know who they are. And if needed, we'll reach out to each other. And there's a lot of people in between. Um, so I think it's a, it's a complex kind of uh, thing to, to categorize. Um, but, I mean, I have the, a successful relationship would be the people I have kind of in my – "Quote unquote inner circle," where the people that if I need honest feedback, they'll give me honest feedback. If I need support, you know, in the middle of the night, um, they'll be those people. And I'm very blessed that you know I, I have those. And and the one thing is when some people hear me speak or read a book or uh, whatever the case may be, um, they're like, "Oh, it's easy for him because he knows Tim," or "It's easy for him because he knows so and so," and all that kind of stuff. And the funny thing is, I thought about it recently. Um, when I got married I got married in September 2012 a few months prior to that I had a bachelor party and there was two people who showed up my brother and my brother-in-law I knew nobody Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I I completely all the success I've had uh, in the relationship building space uh, has happened in the last three years Mm -hmm. and um, and I, I say that to really demonstrate like i definitely not trying to impress anybody, but impress upon people that it, it, anybody can do this. Um, and it really just comes from, and that's the one thing, is you can teach a lot of different tactics um, and tools and stuff like that, but it's similar. Uh, my buddy Ryan Holiday has a saying, that like great marketing, if you have a crappy product, great marketing is only going to let other people know you have a crappy products. Right. <laughs> so the same thing with relationship building, the says that like I give you all the tools and tactics, but if you're inauthentic, if right. you're... You know, you have no integrity, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, all those tools and tactics are just gonna help people figure out you're a phony sooner. Um, so, a lot of the relationship building, like, it, it's really who you need to be uh, in order to be a relationship builder. So, it's somebody who has, you know, integrity. Somebody who can be trusted. Somebody who cares immensely about others. Um, so, and, and, and that's not the sexy thing to talk about because people <laughs> know the tactics and just the five steps. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and, and, and one thing I'll, I'll share. Uh, really quickly because we kind of talked about like big names and Travis and, and stuff like that and actually spoke at an event recently and uh, they, they accidentally put me at the, on the last day of the event and uh, uh, I say accidentally because they had some big name speakers there and everybody was taking like selfies with all the speakers and all that kind of stuff and uh, the first thing I said when i went on stage I'm like if you're taking selfies with speakers you're, you're doing it wrong like if you actually want to build a relationship with these people because unconsciously or unconsciously you're saying that you're lesser right you're saying that you're putting them on a pedestal and you're saying that you're not you know on their level to some degree um, and to what you said like you know with, with Travis I didn't have anything to say to him but with Tim when the first time I met Tim I actually crossed paths with Tim like four times before we ever had a conversation um, and we just found ourselves in the same environment and all that kind of stuff and there was just that kind of that mutual oh, I've seen you before type thing right um, which is very different than like trying to force a conversation, kind of the, the first time out. Um, but I, you know, it's 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 one of those things. Listen, I everybody wants to be connected to big names. Um, you know, I have friends who go to Richard Branson's island every year. And they're taking pictures with him and all that kind of stuff. And Richard looks a little awkward uh, in the photos. <laughs> and, and I mean, you dig into it, and I used to be like this as well. But like you dig into the desire to do that kind of stuff. It comes down purely to, to ego. Um, so you, it gives you the ability To post to Facebook And see how many likes you get And all that kind of stuff And there's a great saying That when you put uh, When you play for the applause You put your happiness In the hands of someone else huh. um, And I just think It shows a lot about somebody when they're always posing with like big name people and all that kind of stuff. And case in point, when I spoke at that event and I said, you know, if you're doing selfie pictures with speakers and big names and all that kind of stuff, you're doing it wrong. Uh, I've known Gary, I've seen Gary Vaynerchuk a few times. I've never actually had an opportunity to connect with him. On the VIP night or whatever of the event, I was having dinner with another speaker and Gary came up and the speaker who was next to me was like, oh my God, I really want to take a picture with Gary. And part of me was like, hell, I would like to take a picture with Gary too but I'm like I I don't want to kind of fall into that trap Right. and so he came up and he was kind of hanging around us and he smiled at me and I smiled at him and then within like 30 seconds he came up to me and he's like hi I'm Gary and he like introduced himself and I'm like that's how you start a relationship like that is actually the base right you don't put them on a pedestal you don't make a a, you know make it into a, a you know, a trick-and-pony show
0: or something like that. Um, so so, so. so on, on your site, you know, on the mastermindstalks.com site, you know, you have this, this saying up front that says, an event is only as good as the people in the room. You know, obviously you have amazing high-performance uh, speakers attending these, these events, but how do, you, how do you sort of weed out the attendees to ensure that they're not just there for that sort of uh, stardom connection? How do you ensure that they're uh, contributing to the overall uh, community?
2: Yeah, so amazing question, um, because it's something that was a huge struggle, uh, for the first event. So, um, the, uh, at our events, we have a, a strict non-soliciting policy. So, you know, if you're caught soliciting, we'll kick you out. Interesting. Um, and it's just one of those things, like, that's why our speakers stay for the entire duration of our events. So Tim will stay all two days of our events, which is, you know, normally a speaker will come in from behind a set of curtains, do their talk, and then you won't see them at all. So, um... We want to create a little bit of a different environment, so when people signed up for the event, everybody who signed up for Mastermind Talks the first year, um, how the process worked, it was application only with 4,200 entrepreneurs apply. I went through every single application. Those who I thought were the right fit, I'd send them an invitation. When they secured their spot, i hold a phone call with them. And on that phone call, I'd ask, like, what's the most enticing aspect of the event that made you want to sign up? If it was to meet Tim Ferriss or Ryan Holiday or Mark Echo or any of those guys, I'd refund their money because they were there for the wrong reasons. Um, if it was to, like, meet other amazing people or in the case may be, that's, <laughs> that was the right answer. Um, but at first, like, our, we have only entrepreneurs at our events. It was kind of tough to define what an entrepreneur is because um, there's some organizations out there that, like, your business has to do seven figures in order to be a part of it but I know people in those organizations who spend 1.2 million to make a million which is not a great mark of an entrepreneur <laughs> and conversely I know people with 100 million dollar businesses who are you wouldn't want to spend time with um, so oddly enough the, the least scientific uh, it was definitely more of an art than a science as far as picking people but the, the, the I guess the question that uh, I ended up going with at the end of every phone conversation I'd ask myself would I want to have dinner with this person and if the answer was no, I'd refund their money. So if they, if, they, if I knew they weren't going to solicit, I knew they'd get great value from the event. I knew they'd be able to contribute to the community. They had to pass that test of would I want to have dinner with this person because I didn't care how successful they were on paper and all that kind of stuff. It had to be, they had to, you know, just have that, that appeal to them because people come to our events. Some of the people are famous, but on some level they're all fascinating. And um, you know, one of the testimonials we got actually from our first event was that Mastermind Talks felt like a two day long dinner party, which I think is ironic considering that was kind of my my selection process. Very
1: cool. Yeah, very good. Cool. I, I think I was going to I was going to jump in and add uh, I was like, oh, I have a great I have a great quote for you that you that you need to use in the future. <laughs> and it's uh, uh, be somebody's biggest fan, but don't be their groupie. Um, because it's it's like that idea of like, yeah, be their biggest fan, but you know, taking selfies and stuff like that, I mean that's you, you're just kind of like crossing this this like emotional and physical line that is then putting you in a different position. So um, very cool. I, I love a lot of those ideas. and we, we do the same thing like with Man Talks, we've built it where at the events there's no soliciting because you know we have a lot of big name speakers come in that have their own businesses or you know they're like internet quote unquote internet famous. And, and a lot of the times there's a lot of networking events and other, you know, other speaker series events out there that they just they plug their stuff, right? Like they get up on stage and then it's just like talking about, you know, plugging their stuff constantly. And so um, I really respect what you've done because it's challenging to build a space that's almost like free of that you know to some degree to sure. like free of the free of like the quote-unquote like soliciting right so you know for people that are out there that maybe run run events or are wanting to to go to an event what is the value what's like the inherent value of having um just to get your take uh sort of like solicitation free event
2: what's the value of going to an event like that yeah Ah, oh, god i mean it's um it's again, it's tough because you can't peg an ROI to going into it. Yeah. Um, usually, it's one of those things like people come to our events. The nice thing about the way we're positioned, there's a lot more demand than there is supply of spots. Um, and the type of people that come to our events don't, um, you know, they don't buy things from ads. Like they wouldn't sign up for an event through an ad or something like that. They value their time more than they value money, which is a very interesting group to appeal to. It. It can be difficult at times, but now we have the social proof that. You know, if somebody says, hey, dude, I had an amazing time at this event, you should check it out, they'll they'll just sign up based on that person's opinion. Um, And um, so that's kind of like the network effect to some degree. But, um, I mean, the stuff that has come out of our events, and I'm sure you've seen this in your events as well, as far as, you know, the people doing business together, people becoming advisors on each other's businesses, people, you know, uh, just becoming really close friends, uh, relationships coming out of businesses. Yeah. (laughs) so it's 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 amazing so it's hard to kind of um you can't you know uh this great saying actually by steve jobs that you can't connect the dots looking forward so sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith totally uh, and just you get a gut feeling uh, that it's going to be worthwhile and you know our events obviously we've we've never had to exercise it but like full refund all that kind of stuff if you don't enjoy it or don't feel like you got value um so, I mean, that helps alleviate a little bit of that fear. I guess maybe to some degree, we're are not even public about that information anymore because it's just it's not even it doesn't need to be stated. But um, but yeah, I think I, you know you can't connect the dots looking forward. I think is is a good way to kind of encapsulate
1: it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 perfect because I think the the inherent value in it really is is those authentic connections, like those real genuine connections where you're going to enjoy doing business with somebody or you're going to like, you're going to have somebody that wants to go to bat for you and you're going to build these real connections, right? Versus this sort of like, what can I get from you and what can you get from me? And that's what we're both here for. Yeah, you
0: know, it's funny. I'll touch on this really quickly.
2: You know, we always say that like content is abundant, but uh, so people may come to our events for content, but what they'll leave with is community. Yeah. And that's far more valuable. That's why we have such an incredible retention rate for our events is,
0: is, is because of community, right? And we all long to be a part of the community.
2: I mean, 10,000 years ago, we lived in tribes. Um, right. So, and one thing about if you were part of a tribe, uh, you were safe. If you were outside of a tribe, you'd either starve to death or you'd get eaten by an animal. That's bigger than (laughs) you. we all have this innate desire to be, belong to something. Um, and, um, and that's the one thing that our events provide. The event itself is really just a catalyst to, to kind of kick off this community or reinforce, um, you know, the, the community. So.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, ours is ours is the same way. It's just built this epic community. Um, cool. So we need to kind of start wrapping it up soon. but. Um, so we have a couple, a couple, you know, fun questions for you left out of curiosity. I mean, you've mentioned some phenomenal books. Uh, Roger and I were just sitting here like nodding our heads. Um, but do you have sort of like some, some top favorite books or that you think around this topic would add a lot of value or not even on this topic? Like, do you have some favorite books that are, that are personal for you? Yeah. On
2: this topic, I can, there's, yeah, I can't think of great, great books. Uh, Every eat alone is a big one, but I've never Ooh. read it. Uh <laughs> Seeking God, seeking wisdom is a phenomenal book. Like it's one of those things when I started to become an entrepreneur. One of the commonly read books in my network was uh, the Four Hour Workweek. Um, and then since I've kind of upgraded my peer group and got a little older and stuff like that, Seeking Wisdom is an incredible book. Um, and that's uh, it's really it's hard to find, but it's uh, it's uh, basically uh, the wisdom of Charlie Munger, who's the right hand to Warren Buffett. Um, just a brilliant guy. How he looks at life and how he looks at things. Um, Man, Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yep, is uh, one of the best books. That's a book I read and reread every year or two, Um, and uh, it's been incredibly impactful for me. So those are two that kind of top of mind. That come top of mind, but there's 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 a lot. I read a lot.
1: Very cool. Um, And then you know on the on the man subject, since this is. you know, man focused and for, for, for men's growth and development. Um, what, what do you think it is to be a man today? Like what, what are, what's sort of like the biggest challenge and what's your favorite part of being, being a man today?
2: That, that was funny but you said, uh, what does it feel like being a man today? I was like, I was going to say hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. It's hard. That's yeah. Gonna say. Um, it's, it's hard this day and age
2: with. Like it was like the simple 300 years ago, right? Where you just had you know, you didn't have to worry about passions and fulfillment you just went to work you had, you know the home life was very you know, clean cut and all this kind of stuff now with women getting into the marketplace and all these you know battles between masculine energy and feminine energy and you know fathers staying at home now with their kids it's just it's a it's a mess and we're all kind of trying to figure it out um, I don't know for me it's, it's one of those things that we have saying that an entrepreneur is somebody who's working in their business to on their business but there's a second tier of entrepreneur that goes from working on their business to work on themselves mm. and people that are part of our community subscribe to the fact that good is the enemy of great in all areas of their life so they really strive to um, not to achieve excellence per se because you can't achieve excellence in, in all areas but you know um they, they put a huge emphasis on their health they put a huge emphasis on their relationships their relationship with their spouse um and obviously their, their business and their fulfillment and their happiness and all that kind of stuff, which is again, it's daunting, but it, it's one of those things that we're we're always kind of striving for. And for me, about being like being a father, um, you know, I realized early on the impact I had on my daughter. Um, you know, she started to say, like, there was one point a couple couple years ago, she was like, uh, I asked her to do something, and she's like, I'm I'm busy or something like that. She was like, she pretended she was writing emails, and I was like, huh, I wonder where she got that from. So, <laughs> You just realize, like, how your bad habits can kind of show up. Um, so because of that, uh, it just put a huge emphasis on... Um, I put a huge emphasis on uh, doing a lot of personal work. Um, because there's a great saying like, you're not raising your children, you're raising your grandchildren. You really start to kind of dig into, like, you know, the habits that you have, both, you know, that serve you and that don't... Where they came from, it's oftentimes, you know, your parents had similar habits and they had a huge impression on you. And oddly enough, that got passed from generation to generation. So there's certain kind of bad things that I'm trying to nip in the bud and I feel like it's a huge responsibility um, for me to work on those things so I don't pass them along. So, pursuing growth in all areas of my life but definitely the personal side because the personal side, you know, uh, shows up in the business. It shows up in your relationship. So, I'm always, you know, Philip McCurnan. I'm a huge, you know, fan of this. Yeah. I've done his Ireland retreat. Um, we do a lot of events together. Uh, we're doing clear retreat together in January. So, um, you know, that kind of work is really
1: important to me. Yeah. He actually, um, he just came and spoke at the one day event and he was phenomenal. He closed out the day and I mean, people just absolutely loved him. But yeah. Um, so kind of like lastly, what uh, just, I'm so curious about this question for you. Um, if you could choose to leave any legacy in the world, what would it be? Oh God. Uh, <laughs>
2: That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things. I left. I left. Uh, so when I actually uh, dropped out of high school, I had a job for a short period of time, and um, there was one of the, the one thing that always kind of ran through my head was how many people showed up at your funeral. Mm. And to me, that was like a mark of like a successfully a successful life lived because uh, it doesn't matter how like you know, financially successful you are or that kind of stuff There's, I remember there was once I saw like a barber had like 5,000 people show up to <laughs> his funeral right, right. I think that's, that's one of the best ways to kind of measure and the sick part of it is like you never know because you'll be dead so you won't be able to like know how many people show up to your funeral but uh, but yeah I mean I just I, 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 I want to to, to leave some kind of to impact and not, at the same time, not put too much pressure on myself because I think we do that far too much. Um, is you know, try to focus a little too much on legacy and what's my purpose and what's you know, why am I here and all that kind of stuff. And actually, through the work of Philip, I've just learned to let go of a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know
0: exactly what my legacy will be as of right now, I guess we'll know when I'm dead,
2: but. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm very curious to know how many people show up to my funeral. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Maybe I'll have a I'll, I'll have an over a webinar or something. <laughs> 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 that, in the future, we'll see how many people show up virtually because uh, physically maybe this will. That's well, awesome. It sounds
0: as if through through your you know through the network you've made you've touched a lot of people's lives and, and have been of value to a lot of different people. So I'm sure I'm sure will be I'm sure you'll need to rent out a football stadium. <laughs> Uh, Jason um, you know it's been absolutely a pleasure having you on the show we always like to ask our guests sort of what's what's one thing that you're really really jacked up about these days and, and excited about that you'd like um, our community and, and your community to know about
2: um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ridiculously excited about our next Mastermind talks so event I mean that's sold out in essence so there's uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell it yeah. Um, But I just, I I
0: live one Mastermind Talks event at a time, and I don't look
2: past it. So uh, my next one's five months away. I'm just incredibly excited about that. But if you want to, like, learn more about, like, just my views on things, I'm really transparent as far as how I look at events, relationships, uh, family life, all that kind of stuff. I do solo episodes on my podcast, so they're about 20, 30 minutes long, and I I, uh, dig into that. And what's
0: the the name of the podcast?
2: Uh, So it's actually the Mastermind Talks podcast, but the website would be mmtpodcast.com.
0: Awesome, awesome. So yeah, definitely check that out, give it a listen. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show again um, we we absolutely loved having you so much so much incredible knowledge coming out of you um, once again another amazing talk from Man Talks um, if you want to learn more about Man Talks or, or listen to more podcasts you can go to mantalks.com where we have all sorts of podcasts blog posts any of the videos of our events which are going to be going live soon and if you're really enjoying this podcast don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and never miss an episode leave us a rating as well on iTunes it goes a long way to, to uh, get the show into as many hands as possible. Thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us again next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man.